We are in the book of Philippians. Again, welcome to our uh, Wednesday night Bible study. If this is the first time you've uh, been to our Wednesday night Bible studies, what we do is we take uh, a, a book of the Bible and we'll go through it one verse at a time, boom, 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 in order and, and try to put the whole thing in context. Great way to really learn what the Bible is saying, get some biblical literacy going, uh, and why we take turns here and there, but it's all trying to just explain where we're at in the particular book. Although most of them aren't really books per se, especially in the New Testament, a lot of them are letters. We use the word epistle, fancy word for letter, but it's just these are letters that some of the apostles, some of the different writers wrote to the early church. We're reading in Philippians, this is written by the Apostle Paul, and we just finished the book of Galatians, Epistle of Galatians, where he's just really ticked off. And, and really upset with them and some of the people who have been poisoning the church there. We get to Philippians, it's like a totally different mode. I mean, he just he loves these guys. They're best of buds. They support him financially. They're always concerned about him. And he's encouraging them. Uh, we just finished uh, chapter 2. That's all about, he's encouraging people to, to uh, be uh, in a spirit of humility. Uh, don't be so uh, consumed about your own importance Don't think more highly of yourself, more than you ought to think. I cannot possibly stress that enough. Don't be so freaked out about all your own opinions. It's okay to share your opinions, but, you know, take it in stride. Not everybody thinks like you, thank God. Okay, not everybody thinks like me, praise the Lord. We're not, we're not all the same and we're all different. We all have opinions and you know, sometimes we get so intense in our opinions. Well, I, I think it needs to be this way and this needs to be that way and that needs to be this way. This, well, just chill out. But pastor, I think I'm right. Of course you do. We all do. That's why there are opinions. Nobody walks around with a, I want an opinion that's absolutely wrong. <laughs> we have opinions. When they become opinions, we're convinced we're correct. And we feel compelled to correct the rest of the world. And uh, just relax a little bit. Don't be so intense. And, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, you can help. The Bible says to encourage one another. And, uh, and provoke one another to love and to good works. Usually we just provoke each other. But to love and to good works. Being nice and, and challenge people. If you hear somebody just running a diarrhea of the mouth. Well, you know, I don't think that should have been that way. And the pastor should have never done this way. And I don't like the way they run that program back by those kids. And I don't think the way they should be being. And they shouldn't have charged that much money for this thing. And I don't know why they don't do this. And how come they think that? Shut up! <laughs> Goodness gracious! Just... You need a swirly, some of you, to get like that. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, ask somebody. But just, you know, just relax a little bit. Don't think so highly. Have an attitude that Jesus had. Here he is, the Son of God. God in the flesh. And, he, and Paul writes, he said, he didn't run around thinking, well, I'm in charge of this and I get to do this. You know, he walked in humility. He is our example. Again, not to say you can't share your opinions and your feelings. Just get a clue. Okay? You could possibly be wrong. And that the problem is a lot of times when we come up with our opinions, there's no way we can conceive that we're wrong. If you think like that, you're in, you're in a bad, bad place. I was, uh, I think I told you last week, you know, not, not everything I think should go on around in the church. I don't even get my way on, on everything. I could. You know, I could be an obnoxious jerk and, we're going to do it this way, praise God, I'm the pastor, get out of my way, you know. But I, I, I don't even do that. 
you know, and as I said, you know, if everybody on my staff thinks this, and I'm over by myself thinking this, I could be wrong. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you ask my staff, they'll tell you, oh yeah, pastor, he just totally, dis-. there's programs in the church I completely disagree with. I wouldn't tell you what they are, because some of you just have a fit and would call the medics before you got out of here. I mean, I just, I just <laughs> say, well, you're a pastor, shouldn't you stop it? Well, you know, look, I, I'm not that consumed by my own thoughts. I don't think that highly of everything I think. I have my opinions, but I put them in context. Not every word that flies into my head is the word of God. Are you hearing me? You know, there's pastors who think like that. You ever run into one of these cats? Everything they think is God. Everything, I'm just right about everything. Everybody's wrong about it. You know, that's why nobody goes to their churches, but good grief. Anyway, so now we're getting to chapter 3. Again, these weren't written in chapters. They just broke it up so we could have places where we can find these things. They broke it up. This is chapter 3 for the point of reference, but uh, he's continuing his letter here verse, at, at verse 1. Finally, my brothers, it sounds like he's ending it, but he's actually got a whole bunch of long ways to go. Typical preacher. Yeah. <laughs> One little boy asked his daddy and said, uh, he was listening to the pastor speaking, and he says, he says Dad, what, what does in conclusion mean? And he said, son, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> finally, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, it is no trouble for me to write these same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. In other words, a lot of things that he's saying, he said to them before. Um, it's, it actually, it's one of the challenges I have. And uh, Pastor Nalath and I talk about this, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll speak on a subject, I think, okay, I did it, and I move on. And, and the truth is, is people don't really hear it if you just say it once. You've got to say it three, four, five times. And sometimes if you hear me, man, he just keeps hammering that thing over a period of time. It's not that I forgot what I said. It's very intentional. I'm trying to get it through people. All right? Some people need to hear it three times. Most people need to hear something three, four, five times before they remember it anyway. Much less the fact that some people were here one time and not another. And, you know, and it's, this is a typical thing. It's good to repeat things to help people learn things. This is always a challenge particular in a growing church like ours because there's always new people coming in and they don't know anything like what you know. So you have to back up and kind of teach them or bring them up and I say that because sometimes for older believers, uh, more mature believers, and, and usually people who come on this Wednesday night Bible study, a little bit more mature, a little bit hungrier for God, they want to grow, that's why you're even here. Sometimes they get a little impatient, thinking, well, I, I heard that already, you know, let's move on to something new. But you got to remember, as, as a pastor, the challenge is to keep encouraging you while still bringing along the other ones. Does that make any sense? Okay, good. Uh, now, so he, he's been warm and fuzzy, everything's exciting, and, and then he stops and he goes a little crazy on the people that he was mad at in Galatians. Okay, <laughs> at least he's not yelling at them. He just says, watch out for these guys. And, uh, and what he's talking about are these, these guys in the early church. They were supposedly brothers. And I say supposedly because Paul talks to them like they're evil. You know, he said, you know, these guys ought to go to hell. That's what he said back in Galatians and, and worse. But I'll, I'll cut you a break from repeating that over and over again. But uh, <laughs> he was so angry at these guys. And uh, these guys were believers in Jesus, supposedly, but they were Jewish believers. And they really believed that we needed to obey all the rules of the Old Testament. And, and people needed to get circumcised when they got saved. And they need to obey all the Levitical laws and stuff like that. And Paul just had a cow with these guys and got so 
angry at him. Get the tape if you missed the uh, teachings in Galatians. It's an amazing study when you, when you look at how angry he was and what he was really saying when you translate it into English. It's like, whoa. Um, you're about to get some more of it right now, by the way. <laughs> so anyway, so right away he starts talking about these guys and he hasn't gotten any warmer and fuzzier with them because he calls them dogs. He says, watch out for those dogs. These are people who were claiming to be believers in Jesus. He was so irritated by these people. He said, these are dogs. Those men who do evil. Those mutilators of the flesh. What's he talking about? Circumcision. All right. Because they believe that, that circumcision is what made you special, made you unique. Certainly in Jewish thinking, that is true. That was a sign that you were uh, a Jew, a, a, a follower of God. Okay? But he said, these guys trying to make Christians do this. And he was so angry about it. He says, look, it is we who are the circumcision. Talking about the ones who are truly set aside to God. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. What is he talking about? This confidence of, well, I am religious and I did this and I obeyed that commandment, I did this commandment, I made that bow and kept that bow and did this. He says, we don't put confidence in that nonsense. He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence. He says, these guys who talk like this, man, if anybody has a right to talk like this, it should be me, he says. He says, if anyone thinks he has reasons to become flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the, of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I killed Christians. He was an intense, intense man. And as for legalistic uh, righteousness, as in, in other words, of following all these laws of the Old Testament, he says, I was faultless. Here is a guy who was a Jew of Jews. He says, I nailed this stuff. I was great at it. He was rising up in the ranks. He was, everybody looked up to him. He was a big rising star of the Pharisees when they started persecuting Christians. He was leading the charge. He was way up there. He says, but, but he says, I don't put confidence in that stuff. That doesn't mean anything to me. He says, whatever was to my profit of all that self-righteous stuff, you know, whatever it was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Here's a man completely sold out to the cause of Christ. Everything he'd worked for. Everything he believed in. Here is a guy religious up the yin yang. Whatever that means. And I mean he is just into it. He says all of it doesn't mean jack squat. Actually it means worse here. Because what he says here is he says, I consider them rubbish. Now. The translators of the Bible. You know, these guys really girly manned out most of the time. Because they keep translating things and making them so safe that you don't really get the feeling. That's why in Galatians, when you put it into plain English, he was like, wow, that's what he's saying. Look what he's saying here, rubbish. He wasn't a British guy saying, oh, I just think it's all a bunch of rubbish. The word rubbish here is in Greek, the word skubalon. Now, 
I, I won't give you the true English translation of the word. Uh, because it's a little crude. Uh, but to give you a sense, if you would see someone going by in a chariot and looked at the bumper sticker on the chariot, you might see something like, Scubalon happens. <laughs> Are you getting my drift? This was the word. Now, those of you who have a King James Bible, you'll see that they translated it dung, which they were closer. Okay? And apparently there's, someone was telling me there's a a pre-King James translation that actually used the SH word in the translation. We tried to find it. I couldn't find it for this. But uh, this, 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 I mean, he says, I consider all of that to be a big pile of scubalon. That's like this guy. I like this guy. He was he was he was real, I'll tell you that. He didn't dance around stuff. It's all a big I will say crap if you can handle that. It's just a bunch of crap, the whole thing. All this religion, all this all this wonderful stuff, the status and everything, it's just a big pile of dung to me. It means nothing. I consider it all scubalon that I may gain Christ. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. That comes from the law. Not making myself holy. Because I obeyed this and I did that and I did that. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God. And is by faith. He says I want to know Christ. This was his passion. This man was so into Jesus. I just want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know Christ? I mean, really know him. You know, how many of you want to experience the power of his resurrection? How many of you want that kind of power? How many of you want the next one? Suffering, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. <laughs> it's not nearly as popular. Knowing Christ is cool. Power of God, yeah. Fellowship of his sufferings. Ugh, ugh, ugh. In fact, we live in a culture that thinks that, well, if, 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 if it's really God, I won't suffer. Everything will be good. Everything will be kind. Everything will be wonderful. <gasps> Birds will sing me awake every morning and, and chipmunks will help me sweep the floors. <laughs> if it's really God, if it's really God. It can't be God. I can't be God. I can't be God if I'm not happy. Talk about that, that on Sunday. Hogwash. These guys were at times profoundly unhappy. In Corinthians, Paul says this, because he was arguing with them about the resurrection, and we'll get there when we get to Corinthians. But uh, he says, because some people were saying, well there, well, there is no resurrection of the dead. That just meant something else. Paul said, man, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then we are of all men most miserable. He says, if, if this is it for us, this really bites This is hard. This is painful. This creates suffering at times. Now listen to the way he talks and then listen to the way people talk today. Some people, you listen, watch on TV, you know. Praise God, if you got faith, everything will be great. You'll never have a problem. Everything will be just wonderful, hunky dory. You'll just have more than you know what to do with it. And you just, you know, it's like it's a different Bible that they read. I don't get it. Because Paul understood That being identified with Christ, truly being identified, also means being identified at times with his sufferings. Being humiliated for him. Being persecuted for him. 
doing things that are not so much fun, doing things that that cause pain. Christianity is about fundamentally about dying to self. I don't understand these gospels that are all about building self up. It makes no sense. To me, that's a false doctrine. It's not about building up self. It's about you dying. God's trying to kill you. Not the real you. Don't go kill yourself. But I'm talking about, you know, the selfish part of you. And, and it's painful. Nobody likes dying. Nobody likes dying to themselves. Everybody loves themselves. Everybody's into their own thing. But goodness gracious, here, here's a man, he's so into it. I want to know Christ, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This guy, man, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to die like Jesus died. Oh, not me, I gotta be honest. You know, I pray to God, Lord, I like those first two parts. I have a hard time with the third one. I'm not crazy about suffering, you know. I just, I'm a girly man at this stuff, you know, I just hate it. But, but that's what it's all part of, you know. It's amazing. And so, somehow, he says, all willing to do all of this, that somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I touched on this last time, you know, without opening a can of worms with, you know, the fight between Arminianism and Calvinism. You know, Calvinism thinks that, you know, once you're saved, you could be an axe murderer. It doesn't matter. You're still going to heaven. Arminian thinks if you sneeze wrong, you're going to hell. You know, there's these two extremes. And, and, and some people get real intense. We just don't fight about those things here. I will say this. I don't understand people who are casual in their faith and think just because they believe in Jesus, they can just, doesn't matter what they do at all. You know, they, they swing more to that extreme Calvinist side. And, and uh, without getting into the big theological debate about that, surely that's not how this guy thought. Here's a guy, I have given up everything. I have sacrificed everything. I have turned my back on all the success the world could give me. And I want to be identified with Jesus in every way, even in his sufferings, that somehow I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. This guy was not in coast mode in any way, shape, or form. People, if, you get, if you're in coast mode, you're in a dangerous place. He says, not that I've already attained all this, or have already been made perfect. <laughs> That's really depressing. I mean, here's a guy who does it about as perfectly as anybody. And he says, you know, I'm still not perfect. Where does that leave you and me? You know, I mean, we're way down on the totem pole here. He says, not that I've got it. I haven't obtained this yet. I haven't been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Everybody say forgetting. Forgetting, forgetting what is behind. Here is a man. Who he looked at even the best the world can give him. Considered a big pile of stinking you know what. And he forgot what was behind and pressed forward. He says I'm forgetting what's behind and straining toward to what is ahead. Take that and compare it with people who let their past dictate their future. People who are constantly reliving their past. Constantly experiencing their failures. Constantly reminding themselves what, what uh, failures they are. What horrible things that they did. And, and I can't because I'm a slob. And, and you know God must be mad at me. And, and you know I don't know. I just can't ever get anything right. Don't think like that. Look we all mess up. I get it. But forgetting those things which are behind. Repent of that stuff. Move on. Forget it. And press forward. Our future is this way. It's not that way. Your future is depending on tomorrow, not what you did yesterday. 
you acted this morning when you kicked the cat. Okay, that was mean. You shouldn't have kicked the cat. God forgives you. The cat may not forgive you, but God forgives you. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the, pri- uh, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He is pressing forward. Oh, man. What, what a focus this guy had. What an intensity. I'm pressing forward, man. He's, he, he uses the analogy in, in other scriptures where he says he's running the race. I am running the race. And here's the thing about people who run races. They really don't care about what they just ran past. They don't. You ever, anybody ever run races in high school or anything? Sprinter, you know, I was, I was a bunch of lazy people here, huh? <laughs> One person, yeah, I did. Um, goodness gracious. You know, in track, we were doing track, you'd run till you thought you were going to die, and then you'd run some more, and think you are going to die, and you'd run some more. <laughs> they call it getting in shape. I call it killing Marky. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, you know, brutal stuff, man. But you're running, you're running, you're running. I'm telling you, when you get in those blocks, and you, and bang, and a gun goes off, and you take off, you, you don't, you don't care what just went by. You don't care who's in the stands. You don't stop the... Hey, Bob, how you doing, man? Good to see you. You know, you think, oh, man, I stuttered a step back there. Let me try it again. You don't worry about what's past there. You run. You run like crazy. You run as fast as you can, as intelligently <laughs> as you can. Oh, man, I did some stupid running when I was in school, but embarrassing. I won't relive it. But, uh, you know, man, talk about focus. They don't, they don't get sidetracked by everything else constantly. That's what happens to a lot of believers in their faith. They're running for Jesus, but they're just, they're, they get sidetracked. Oh, 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 I guess I shouldn't have stepped over. I'm sorry, I stepped in that lane. I shouldn't have stepped in that lane. I'm so sorry. And, and, and stop already. The race is that away. It's not here. It's not to the left. It's not to the right. It's straight ahead. Stay focused. Press on. As Paul did. He says all of us who are mature. Should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently. Don't worry. That too God will make clear to you. (laughs) He was pretty confident about his thoughts here. Uh, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. There's another thought. You know. You're not where we. We're not where we were. Thank God. A lot of us, you look back on our lives, man, we've, some of y'all come a long way. <laughs> As I look around, you know, man, including myself, you don't even want to know what I was like. But uh, we thank God we're not where, where we were, but, but thank God we're, 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 we're we may not be, be where we're going, but we're not where we were. But let's live up to what we've experienced so far. A lot of times we, we learn things about God and we experience things about God, but we don't even live up to what we've attained to this point. And Paul's saying, you know, you know, at least only let us live up to what we've already attained. So he says, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. And the way we showed you how to live. This is how you live. Follow those guys. For as often, as, for as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Why would he say that with tears? Because I think he's talking about believers. At least people who claim to be believers in Jesus. Um, certainly the guys he calls dogs and everything else. Um, 
he wasn't too crazy about that, those guys, but he says with tears in his eyes, I, I know there's guys who claim the, the name of Jesus, but yet they live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. All they're concerned about is themselves. What's in this for me? How can I benefit? Their whole religious experience is only acceptable to them in as far as it advances their particular concerns. It's all about them. And, uh, and he says, you know, he's in tears for these people. They're living as enemies of the cross. But our citizenship, he says, is in heaven. We don't keep our mind on earthly things. We don't live here. We're just, we're just aliens. Quite frankly, we're all illegal aliens. But I won't open that can of worms tonight. But we, we are. We, we don't really belong here. We don't belong here. And the world, if, if it had its way, would get rid of us. I promise you. Thank God we live in a country where they don't do that to you, at least not yet. But we don't really belong. Our, our, our citizenship, the Bible says, isn't here. We're just passing through. Our focus needs to be on eternity. Not on, on what's around me. And, and I, I tell you, I, as far as I'm concerned, I am, I am you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. God, I don't know, my wife only knows. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, I try to keep this focus in my life. We are here for such a short time. Man, I just, you know... For the last couple of weeks, every time I, I pray in the morning, I said, Lord, I have such limited time. I have got a window here. I've just got a little window here to make a difference for eternity. You know, I'm not the youngest guy in the world. I'm not the oldest yet, but, I, you know, I got a window here. The time is short. Help me to focus on things that matter. Help me to focus on things that make a difference. Help me to invest in people and in my children and my grandchildren things that make a difference help me to touch people's lives you know and I, we got this fabulous uh, email today I, I don't know who this lady is she might be here and i have no idea but uh, a lady who would uh, had uh, uh, called our office actually she'd been to one of my laughing way to a better marriage seminars she said in her email today i, I assume she doesn't come to our church here but uh you know she she'd uh she gotten pregnant and all the pressures and stuff like that, and, and she'd actually made the appointment to go abort the baby. And uh, somehow or some other, she thought she would call the church here just to talk to someone. And, and she talked to uh, Pastor Lathan's wife, Lynn, and, uh, and shared with her and, and, and prayed with her. And she sent me this email this morning, tell me all this stuff, how, how she was headed in such a wrong direction. But after calling this church... And, and praying with someone. She said, I'm so excited. I've decided to keep this baby. It's, it's a little girl. And I mean, her, her whole demeanor. I, I thought, you know, one life, physically, a life was saved. Just from that one little thing. And you just... You know, th- these are ways where, where we make a difference. You're helping to make a difference by uh, even allowing us to do what we do here as this congregation. Um, uh, it's amazing how many people actually come to this church for counseling. I dare say the majority of people who come to counseling aren't even from our church. Is that right? A vast majority come from outside. Why? They have heard there's something about this place. They have heard that if you need help, you can go up there. Those people will help you. And they won't charge you. And they won't make you feel bad for not being a member of their church. And, you know, I've had people, I've, I've sat down and, and, and counseled in my office. 
and uh, they're apologetic in the beginning. Said, you know, I'm not a member of your church. I said, I don't care. How can I help you? And, uh, you know, that word gets out. And it's amazing how many people come here to get ministered to and helped because of just this open policy of, of wanting to, to touch people's lives. Man, oh man, we are just passing through this place. We want to lay up as much treasure in heaven as conceivably possible before we check out of here. Our citizenship is in heaven, he says, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What is he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. Someday, by that incredible power that he has, we're going to be raised from the dead and we will have glorified bodies. Uh, our bodies, as you look at them right now, as, as many of you can tell, the older you get, the, uh, we ain't going to make it. You know what I'm saying? Nobody gets out of this deal alive. Okay? Uh, and and uh, the older you get, the more your body starts reminding you you ain't getting out of here alive. And uh, um, but but there's there's no salvation for our bodies except in in the resurrection. Where we'll be transformed into new bodies, new bodies that haven't been poisoned by sin, new minds that haven't been poisoned by sin, and uh, and we'll be for forever with uh, God. It'll be fabulous. <sighs> Hallelujah. Okay. Therefore, my brothers. Uh, You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the the Lord, dear friends. He says, I plead with Yodia, whatever his name, sounds like Yoda, uh, and whatever, I can't say his name, I don't know, whatever. But, But these two guys, he says, I'm pleading with them, these are two wonderful Christians in the church, to agree with each other in the Lord. You mean Christians sometimes argue and disagree? (gasps) Yep. They do. They do. It's okay. We don't all think the same. He's saying, you know, at least in the Lord, try to agree with each other. These guys apparently really got on each other's nerves. It happens. You know, Paul, he wasn't exactly the fuzziest guy in the world to get along with. You can imagine. He and Barnabas had a fit one day about one guy and they broke up. You read the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. Then they had this big argument, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, you know, because, you know, he got rid of Barnabas. Yeah, I'm so mad at him. But they still love God and, and you still move on. Sometimes there's people that just irritate the snot out of you. They just do. And, uh, you know, not too long ago we had a situation in the church. Some people, they just, they couldn't stand each other. I said, what should we do? We'll just try to avoid each other. <laughs> You know, just try not to get, be nice as he can. Just try to avoid it. It happens. Okay? You don't have to freak out and fall apart. Uh, hopefully that's fairly rare. But it even happened in Paul's day, even in the early church, with all the power of God. So he says, yes, and I ask you, a loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers who names are, whose names are in the book of life. What women? Do you remember when we went back to the book of Acts to find out who the Philippians were? That whole church started with a group of women. <gasps> Amazing. God can even use women. It was all built, you know, that's what that, all of it started there. And, and uh, uh, so he encourages them, you know, uh, to, to help the women that contended by his side, who was with him in the beginning. Okay. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. How often? Always. Well, he didn't mean it. Yeah, he did, because he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
How do you do that? He said, I can't do that. I just can't do that. I just, yeah, because you don't get it. Well, I can't rejoice. My life stinks. I can't rejoice. Something's horrible. I can't rejoice because things aren't going well for me. Rejoice not in things. Rejoice in what? The Lord. Let him be your source of joy. And then you can rejoice in the Lord always. Even when things don't go well for you. Even when things stink in your life. Remember we read James in the beginning. He says, brothers, count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of miserable situations. The, the, the word there in the Greek is, 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 is like have a party. It's like inviting everybody over to your house to celebrate that your life stinks. We don't do that very often. Come on over. What's going on? We're going to have a party. What happened? My life stinks. Come on. Just an attitude. of the, the, the mark of a Christian should be a celebratory attitude even in the midst of It is. That's anybody can celebrate when things go good. Are you hearing me? When our team wins, woo! We celebrate. Thank God they've been winning a lot. <laughs> so there's more celebrating than usual around here. I know people that when the team loses, they are absolutely depressed. Depressed for a week. Goodness gracious. Say, so, well, do you like it? No, I don't like it. It bugs me too, but I just, uh, that's not my source of joy. I'm still next morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Life is good. Why? Because of Him. Because of who's working inside of me. My source of joy comes from Jesus, not whether the team won or lost. Not in, in the condition of my bank account. Thank God. Not that great of a condition sometimes, you know. There's times in the, when th- everything in the church is just going fabulously well. It's just glorious. And there's other days where you go, oh, good grief, you know. Then so you keep smiling, yeah, why? Because that's not my source of joy. That's, that's external stuff. What's happening in here is connected to up there. He's a sense of my joy, and I can continue to rejoice. Okay, so... Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is your gentleness. There again, don't be so intense with your opinions. If people look at you and they think, yeesh, what an opinionated person, your gentleness is not being evident to all. Again, we all have the opinions, just some are more intense than others. You know, they talk this far from your nose the whole time. You know, like, you know, like little, what do you call those dogs? Chihuahuas. You just barking all the time. You think, I could kill you, you know that. <laughs> they don't know that. They just, actually, it's kind of a positive side of that, but I'll preach on that some other time. There's some things we should be intense. Some, some, on the good things, we should be like little chihuahuas for Jesus. Just hanging on to good and just, just not letting go. And I, I love it because show us they don't know they're nothing. You know what I'm saying? But in obnoxiousness, do not be a chihuahua. All right? Be gentle. Be a what's a what's a what? Oh, Shih Tzu. I'm sorry. I'm talking about scuba on there for a minute over there. Just... <laughs> the church is falling apart. All right. So 
Play your gentleness. Be, you know, in, 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 with your opinions, be a Shih Tzu. With, with your faith, be a Chihuahua. Okay. That's somewhere in here. I don't know where we saw that. But, uh, <laughs> let your gentleness be, evident, gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Hallelujah. Do not be anxious about most things. Is that what it says? Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Holy cow. How do you get there? How do you get there? The same place where he starts out. Rejoice in the Lord always. Really, if the center of your experience. And and granted, we don't all get there overnight. And there's days I'm not there at all. I must confess. Anybody who hangs around me know. Marky has his moments. Usually a good 24 hour moment. But he has them. Okay where I just psych out and freak. And everything else like that. But I I don't stay there. Because I know I can't stay there. I pull myself together. finally. Stop it. Because my experience is not here. My experience is here. And when your experience is here and you're walking in the peace of God and the joy of Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. Wow. You know, people, and we read the, uh, the account where Jesus is uh, on the boat and the storm is blowing and the wind and all the disciples are freaking out. You remember this? They thought we we're all going to die. Now, now stop and think about it. These weren't guys like me. Who've, you know, been out on a boat hardly ever. Okay, I got a little boat. These guys were lifelong fishermen. They knew a storm when they saw a storm. When it says these guys were scared for their lives, they were not overreacting. These guys knew a life-threatening storm. And they were freaking out. Everybody except Jesus. Do you remember what he was doing? (laughs) He's sleeping. And the disciples are going, what's the matter with you? Is there something wrong with you? We're out here. We're going to die. Wake up. You ever feel like that, huh? You ever feel like that to God? God, where are you? I'm dying here. How can you sleep through this? You ever feel like that? Oh, come on. I know you little sinners, you do. And gee, they woke up Jesus, wrecked his nap. He's all for crying out loud. And he gets up there and says, be still. And the storm immediately stopped. And this calm fell over the water. And all the guys went, whoa. And what did Jesus do? He chewed him out. He chewed him out. You bunch of girls. What's the matter with you guys? Don't you have any faith? We were going to die. <laughs> Apparently not. People preach about that great miracle, how he calmed the storm. No, no, no. The great miracle was that in the midst of this storm, he's sleeping. (laughs) This is the miracle. And I want you to know, sometimes God will stand up and he will calm the storm in your life. Thank God for that. For grace. He teaches us. But I tell you, where he wants to get you, 
You know where he wants to get you? He wants to get you to where you sleep through the storm. That's where he wants you. Say, Lord, why don't you calm the storm in my life? Why don't you calm the storm? He's, oh, that's, that's, that's faith 101. Yeesh. Move on from that. You know, I can do what I've done in the past. Where I want you to get you is where you just, you just keep sleeping through the whole deal. Where you have this peace and this calm. And I'll tell you, it's a wonderful place to be. And you get in that place and you realize, my experience is here. It's not out here. And everybody else will be running around you going, we're going to die, we're going to die, don't you care? No, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. I'll tell you, when, when my wife uh, first was diagnosed with cancer, you know, my initial response was, ah, like, like most people. I, again, I, I usually give myself 24 hours to freak out. That's grace. That's more Mark's little rule of thumb. You can go crazy for 24 hours, then you got to stop it. So I go, ah, and I got to stop it. 24 hours has passed. And got in a place of faith and started connecting and started realizing that our faith, our experience is here. That we can sleep and be calm through the midst of the storm. And we got to a place, I'm telling you, some of you guys, you knew us back then. We weren't freaking out. People were coming out to us. Are you freaked out? Are you freaked out? Are you freaked out? I am now. You know, some people would freak us out trying to see if we were calm. They were more freaked out than we were. Get away from me. I was feeling fine. And I remember people chewing us out. The doctor got on us. Because he's sitting there telling us, you know, the chances are, if everything goes really, 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 really well, which it probably won't. (laughs) Lovely people, some of these. Very encouraging people. Uh, you'll probably be dead in about five years. You know, it's kind of why. You know. And we're just sitting there going. And and he looked at us, and and he kept going. And finally, he says, "You know, you need to take this more seriously." We are. We get it. Dead. <laughs> I mean, come on. What's the worst that can happen to you? You're dead. You go to heaven. How horrible is that? Friends would call us up, chew us up. My parents, my mother, God bless my mom. You're not taking this seriously enough. No, mom, we get it, dead. We understand. Well, how come you're not more nervous? I can't explain it to you, mom. You know, at some point you just move on with moms. I'm telling you some good stuff I'm sharing with you right here. Get this in you, man. I'm telling you. Get to a place of calmness. Quit freaking out all the time. Get to where you can sleep through the storm. So, well, I can't. Well, and you're young in faith. He'll start calming storms around. And I'm telling you, his goal is to get you to where you sleep through it. That's his ultimate goal. Pretty wild, huh? You would think the more spiritual you get, the less storms you'd have. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sometimes they get worse. Oh, my goodness. By the way, that was like eight years ago. She's still not dead. Not taking this seriously enough. Yeah, I'd have been dead if I'd have freaked out like you. Do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Why? Why are you thinking? Because you're calm in the midst of the storm. It's the only way you can be thanksgiving because you know it's going to be okay. 
Jesus wasn't freaked out in the storm. He was just fine. He knew it would be fine. Offer up your prayers and petitions with thanksgiving. An attitude of faith. Really, I cannot stress this enough, and you've heard me speak about it before, but crying out in a freaked out attitude sounds like prayer. And I guess it's prayer, but... And again, I cut people slack. I, I do it too, but I try to pull myself out of it. It's not really a prayer of faith. Crying and freaking out. Oh God, please God. Oh God. <laughs> Isn't faith. Now sometimes you got to do this. Sometimes you get the emotional release. You got to cry. You got to get up. But I'm telling you, you've got to get to a place where there's a calmness. And your attitude in the prayer now is, I love you God. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that you love me. I thank you, God, that you can turn my circumstances around. I can rejoice in my answer before it gets here. See, that's faith. That's what moves mountains. That's what changes things. Now, if crying, and I'm trying to make you feel bad, those of you who cry, and it's okay, cry, get the release, but then you've got to move on. If crying brought miracles, man, would we see a lot of miracles. Wouldn't we? Everybody freaks and cries. That's like step number one. Something horrible happens, freaking cry. That's, that's what it says in the book somewhere. Freaking cry, number one. But you, you, but you can't, a lot of people, they stay there. They still stay there for ten years. In a state of freaking and crying. And, and you know what? We love you and if you're freaking, we'll freaking cry with you. You know the Bible says cry with those who cry. You know, we'll cry with you. We'll, we'll hold your hand, we'll encourage you, you know, but... Live under no delusion. That's not going to get you your miracle. It'll help you get through your crying is what it will do. And that's okay. And sometimes that's where you're at. And it's okay to even say, you know what, Pastor? You're right. All I can do is cry right now. That's okay. I can handle that. That's great. We'll cry with you. We'll encourage you through it. But just so you know, we're going to work you past it. We're going to grow you past it. We want to get you to the place that even though nothing has changed, you're a happy person. Even though nothing has changed, you got peace inside. Even though things have gotten worse since the first time you came to us. You're at more peace than you ever have been in your life. That's a place of faith. And that's where miracles are released. That's where the power of God is released. And I'm telling you, when you get this stuff, it is life changing. Hallelujah. Okay, we'll end there and we'll come back and we'll pick it up. Oh, there's no Wednesday night Bible study next week. Right? Because we're all holiday ing. So it's uh be next year, right? All right, see you in a year. Let's have our ushers come forward and we'll take the offering for tonight. Give my hand as they come. I love this stuff. I'll tell you, I just preach. I don't know if you guys care about it, but I just preach myself happy on Wednesday nights. I just get blessed in this stuff. I just love this stuff. Just, uh, 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 uh. Remind myself, quit freaking out. Get to a place of calmness. <laughs> now I need to pray for my headache no 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 father we love you we thank you God for your word for your strength your encouragement of the Holy Spirit we thank you that we can experience your life your grace your peace help us to learn from these things Lord so we can walk in the life you really intend for us that the glory of God could just splash out of us on all kinds of people Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give into your kingdom. I pray you bless all those who give. Help us to use these uh, monies for the advancement of your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.